Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary's Triazaki, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and of course, I'm here with Mr. K.C. Clapp. Good day, everybody. K.C. Good day, Alex. Good day. You know, all good things must come to an end, and today is the end of Triazaki. That's true, but all things in balance, Alex. I wow. think is what's important to note here is that sometimes... It's good that things come to an end so that something else can begin. That's a really good point. This is you saying that you're glad you don't have to keep watching Miyazaki films. No, that's <laughs> that's not it. I'll say this. I hate to see Triyazaki end, but I love to watch it walk away. Wow, Alex, that is so objectifying to these movies. They're way more than that. You're just a you're just a dumb man. Okay. I can't believe that. I was playing a character of a dumb man. Thank oh, you. It's well, satire. Jesus. All right. Well, you ever you, seen the Colbert show? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. I believed every word that he ever spoke. <laughs> you just thought this guy was like a crazy right wing nut job. Yeah. Which, you know, is really, uh, it's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. That, that was a fun, I, I didn't realize that was the point of that show for a really long time. Oh, yeah. didn't have my finger on that particular pulse. Oh, geez, yeah, I guess uh, I, I had watched when uh, Stephen Colbert was his own uh, correspondent on The Daily Show. That's right. Yes, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I remember that. Well, huh. Casey, today is our last episode of Triyazaki. And our last episode of the year 2023. Wow, man. Yeah. We did it again. We sure did. We made it through another year. That's our third year in Holy the bag. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Five, 500 episodes. <laughs> it's insane. 7,000 episodes later. More than a million trees covered. <laughs> we should have like a Spotify wrapped for our show. Uh, yeah. and it's just all fabricated. Casey, speaking of uh, misusing words. Oh, Last week, we, oh yeah, we talked about Nausicaa, the Valley mm-hmm. of the Wind. Mm-hmm. Talked a lot about nuclear uh-huh. power and disaster. Yes. Now, just this morning, mm-hmm. I was editing that episode. What? It's true. Holy sh! A little, la- a little last minute as usual. <gasps> wow. <laughs> and and um, I, I did some googling. Yeah. Nuke nuclear. Yeah. Versus nuclear. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I yeah. believe that both of us misused this pronunciation. I did it all the time. Or I should say used this mispronunciation. From what I can tell, nuclear, the mispronunciation of nuclear, okay. is used so often yeah. that it's become like kind of a de facto alternate pronunciation. Yeah. 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 I mean, that makes sense. It's just that, yeah. 
but I don't know. It mean de facto, meaning that's just how everyone says it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like everyone's saying, well, we're just going to, we're going to give this one the, is it getting upped, I guess is what I'm asking. Like, are they, are they moving it up to, yeah, that's okay too. I think, I think we're headed there. Um, There's a half life with yeah. this. <laughs> In 30 years, it'll be 50% more appropriate to say nuclear. I uh, got you. So it's actually, it's a half life in reverse though, which I think still we yeah. can say is a half life. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a, it, a plus half life. Yes. There you go. Rather yeah. than a negative. I like, yeah. I like positive things anyway. You know what? We're very positive here. Yeah. And I'm positive that it's okay that we said nuclear a million yeah. times. Well, see, I, I know I am because I don't know if you recall whilst editing at the very beginning, I said, people, I'm going to say this wrong because I have no idea what oh. the difference is. I hope you didn't edit that out. I don't think I did. Thank God. Because but if you, if you did, <laughs> then I'd be like, Alex, I said that for a very specific reason. Well, if I did, then this is making up for it, hopefully. Uh, well, but I don't ideally. think I did. Means you're going to probably edit this out, too. No, no. The power you have. That's right. Well, I literally went and talked with some friends that night mm. uh, because <laughs> I was, uh, they just had a little fire. So I went over and I was like, guys, this, so here's my issue. I just did a recording today. And I have no idea what I say because I can't actually hear the difference. And my friend, Colleen, actually explicitly said it is new cueler versus new clear yeah and i was like oh like she oh, had to sound out you. the the principal uh kind of enunciation things yeah. that i wasn't understanding yeah uh, because i just can't hear the difference like i think i can if i like pay very close attention but if someone just says nuclear i'm just like okay cool and yeah. like, it's it just doesn't really bother me sure but I don't know. Maybe I'm the problem in this country. Well, Casey, this whole thing started with me saying not to worry. Mm -hmm. It's it's all good. Nice. So I want to go back to that. All right. Hey, thanks, Alex. You got it. Appreciate it. But today we are not here to talk about nuclear things. We are here <laughs> to talk about Princess Mononoke. That's right. My neighbor, Princess Mononoke. <laughs> My neighbor, Princess Mononoke, which I think this might be... I think this might be considered... Miyazaki's greatest film. Really? I, th I think that is the consensus. Huh. That it, this is sort of his uh, magnum opus, if you will. Wow. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I, I would say it's between this and Spirited Away. Interesting. But th these are the two that are like most famous, most revered, most critically acclaimed, yeah, okay. most beloved, I would say. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, no but, pressure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we liked it. Just getting that out there. Whoa, speak for yourself, Alex. All right. I don't want you to be putting all of your ideas on my plate. Oh, my gosh. But, Casey, we're also talking about a tree this week. Oh, yeah. And in that tree is the Hinoki. This is uh, Princess Mononoke's Hinoki. Princess Mononoke's Hinoki. Dang it. Okay, Mononoke, Hinoki, shoot. Well, Casey, tell tell me a little primer about the Hinoki tree. All right. Like it, a, a scientific name and like mm, why we're talking about it today. All right, all right. I'll, I'll give you guys a little a little, uh, little inside bit here. Yeah, let's wrap. So here's how it goes. This is a tree. It is a cypress tree mm -hmm. in the cypress family. Now, a cypress is, in my opinion, like orchids. We'll talk about it. Wow. Meanwhile, uh, it is a forest tree, a big forest tree mm. that grows down in the central and southern 
in central and southern Japan. Okay. And we're talking about it today because a lot of the entire premise of Princess Mononoke is about the destruction of a forest. Yep. So we're going to talk a little bit about the destruction of a forest and the impacts that forests have on people and how that destruction is somewhat of a cyclical uh, kind of... Uh, it's it's kind of another same environmental themed episode as last week where we talk about what we think is good for us is actually bad for us and what is good for us and what is bad for us uh and that's it <laughs> yeah so uh edit that shit great work <laughs> And with that slam dunk, we go to a break, but we'll be right back with Princess Mononoke in the Hinoki tree here on Completely Arbitrary's Triyazaki. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's Triyazaki. Today, we are ending our Triyazaki month. I can't believe it's coming to a close. It happened way faster than I was expecting. Me too, Casey. It always does. Always does. Uh, With Princess Mononoke. And we are also talking about the Hinoki tree. Scientific name? This is the Hinoki cypress, known as Camisiparis obtusa. Obtusa. Yes. And Camisiparis is spelled how you would pronounce Chammy Paris. Chamacy Paris. That's how I did it. That was that was it. Chamacy Paris? Yeah, that's how I learned how to spell it. Okay. Not because I'm I'm clever or creative. I just was way better at spelling things when I pronounced them very phonetically. Oh sure, yeah. I think I think uh what are those called? Mnemonic devices. Yes, yeah. This is a mnemonic device of a certain regard. Yeah, though I cannot I don't think we can understate the value of mnemonic devices when trying to remember these things. No, 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 no. You should definitely do it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's by far the easiest way to do it. And on top of that, it's like, so it's a dead language, so you can't really offend anybody if you just like True. grossly mispronunciate their word. Yeah. It's not like some Latin is going to come out and be like, hey, that was very <laughs> that was insensitive. Some Latin. And you're like, okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, Casey... Let's call it the Hinoki tree today. Yes, let's common, do it. In now, the common tongue. I would prefer, though, if you just say Hinoki. Ah, uh, not Hinoki tree. Well, Casey, let's imagine that you and I, as we do every episode, let's say that we are in one of these Japanese forests. Uh-huh. With, you know, last week we described a Japanese forest and its diversity of conifers. Yeah. So let's imagine we're in the same forest. How about well, that? Interestingly, I don't know if oh, we geez. technically can. Fuck. <laughs> God damn Alex, it. I think we we technically can, but last week we were in the north of Japan, 
near the Fukushima Daiichi reactor. Yes, yeah. This time we are on the very southern section of Japan. This okay. tree is native to the central and the southern section, but I would like to put us specifically on Yakushima Island. Yakushima Island. Yes, which okay. is an island where you'd find these trees. It's also an island that Hayao Miyazaki went to in order to get inspiration <gasps> for the forest that oh. they're kind of this whole thing is taking place in. How lovely, how perfect, Casey. Yes. Well, let's imagine that you and I are our, our anime selves are walking through this forest. <laughs> we come across some Hinoki. Let's ID this tree. Well, that sounds great, Alex. So the first thing that you'll notice is that it is a stump. And it's a big stump. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I really took you there, didn't I? <laughs> well, let me, let me take a step back. Okay. You may recall from our uh, our Sugi uh, episode, yeah. we talked a little bit about this island during that time. Or we may hmm. at least made a little bit of a reference to it because this is a world uh, UNESCO heritage site. Oh, this yeah. Island. Okay. Um, and it has been cut you know, over the last several thousand years completely over. So mm. there's nothing here that is... Um, in a in a in a Western North American sense, old growth. Okay. Uh, because a all the factors are completely different, so we're not even going to put them together. But they were all cut down, and then they have regrown since. However, the trees that have regrown have all been sugi. In fact, specifically yakusugi, which is the kind of sugi that grows on this particular island, yaku. Shima. Oh, interesting. Yes. So it's kind of like saying it's the tree from this island. That's so specific. I love it. Yeah. So this, I, guess, I guess that happens a lot in uh, in in um, uh, the United States or in uh, North America too. Yeah, it happens all over the place. We yeah. just like name it like Canary Island. Everything on the Canary Islands is just sure. from the Canary Islands. Tory pine. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, wait, I don't. I don't know if there's a Douglas fir. Wow, he gets it. Mm -hmm. He gets yeah. it. Coast redwood. It's on the coast. So here we are on Yakushima Island. Yes. With the Hinoki. Yes. So we're walking through and I noted earlier, you see a stump. That's because a lot of these trees have already been cut down and they can live for the the last, or the biggest stump that I've heard of was <laughs> 1,065 years old. Woo! Huge trees. Damn. Yeah. They can get well over uh, 150 feet tall, um, which is about maybe 45 meters or so. Damn. I'm doing that math right off the top of my head. Nice so, job. Fingers crossed. It's somewhat accurate. Um, but the uh, the trees themselves can get very wide, and they're in the cypress family, Cupressaceae. Mm. So they have these, uh, these big stems that look a lot like many of the other cypress family trees that you see, which are very shaggy, kind of red, fibrous bark. Yeah. That's what these have as well. Man, that, that kind of bark has really grown on me over it, the years. You think so? Yeah. Really? Call what me is... a cypress tree, because that bark is growing on me. Ha! <laughs> I'm going to call you a cypress tree. Hi, <laughs> is my cypress tree friend, Alex uh, Croson. Alex Cooper-Sacier. Like, Alex Cooper-Sacier Croson. <laughs> Cooper Sosen. Yeah, we'll come up with something. We'll come uh, up with something. It is, uh, it is the same the same kind of bark that you'd expect on a western red cedar yeah. or on a eastern white cedar, on a northern white cedar. Mm. <laughs> Wink at you guys. Oh, nice. Uh, and then all the other trees that are in this family. I don't want to say all, but... In a very like large swath, they all have a similar kind of bark, which is this the same kind of big shaggy bark. So you walk up to this tree, you see it. Uh, let's assume that this tree is alive again. And the first thing that you're going to notice, other than its massive size, is it's just beautiful, beautiful foliage. 
So the trees grow large, they're conifers, and their foliage comes out in a unique way that isn't quite what you'd expect uh, if you were here on the West Coast, because, I should say, West Coast of North America. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we have our uh, false cedars, our false cypresses. Sure. This is in that same regard. And this is when I, I also made a comment. As another little quick aside. I said that cypress trees are a lot like orchids. Yeah. So orchids are a huge family of, of plants. Mm-hmm. But they're all so different because we always look at the sexual organs, the flower parts, and the yeah. fruit of a different plant to put it into different genuses, genre, and species. That's how it works for trees too, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, if they are somewhat in somewhat different in a substantial way, they get their own genus. So orchids are all like specifically, uh, they have evolved these this whole group of plants to mimic the sexual parts of insects and other things. Wow. So orchids... Although they're all very closely related, because we go by these flower parts, and their flower parts are so specifically geared towards like a specific species of bee or mm-hmm. other fly or something like that, that will make them, uh, they've kind of co-opted to work together to spread the pollen and that kind of thing. They, they're technically in different genres, yeah. which makes them look like they're less closely related than they actually are. Okay. But we still call them all orchids. But you know how with the Douglas fir, if it's not in uh, in the genus Abies, then there's that dash. So it's not a true fir. Yeah. It's not a true cedar kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. These are not true cedars. <laughs> and they're not true cypresses, but they essentially are because they're all like, they're in the cypress family. Okay. Not everything in the cypress family is a cypress, just as not everything in the pine family is the pine. Sure. But they're also like one-off or like very small genre where it's like the genre that includes the Hanoki and the Sawara cypress and all these others, that's Camisipris. Mm-hmm. There's like maybe six of them or so. And then there's another one that is uh, Thuya. Then there is Calocedris. Then there's all these other little ones that are kind of out there as well. So, but they're all essentially just cypresses, but they're just slightly different to the point where they are now false cypresses I see. because they're not technical cypresses, but we don't have any other name for them and everyone just calls them a cypress or some cedar anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? I, like, it seems like a technicality. Like It kind of is, and it gets to the point where I don't want to put a dash in between Hinoki and Cypress because mm-hmm. it's not technically in Cupressaceae, but it's just so closely related to Cupressaceae yeah. that it's like kind of annoying that we even have to consider it. Totally. Yeah, so it's just like one of those things where you should be able to call all of these Cypresses, but in a very technical sense, they are not an official OG capital C Cypress. Yeah, I mean, man, that that's really annoying. Yeah. I yeah. think we should lump... I, th- I think we should move toward lumping cypresses. Yeah, I think unite we should, the families. I at least unite them in a common name. Yes, other uh, the common English name, I should say. You know how because Mance Raider brought the wildling tribes together to I do to ascend on the wall. I totally get it. It seems impossible, but he did it. He did it. I think yeah. we should do the same thing with Cooper Sacier. He did have a big horn, though, and I think that's something we, we should really horn. consider here. We need a horn. <laughs> If we don't use a horn, none of the trees are going to come over. And giants. Yeah, the magic is not going to be there. Mm. Anyway. We'll have giants of our own. The Coast Redwoods. The Coast Redwoods. Great. Let's bring them in. So, okay, where were we? We're talking about the foliage. So the foliage is very much the same as all the other cypresses. Yeah. Um, This is a little bit different in that it has what's called 
dimorphic growth, uh, which is something you and I have talked about a few times. And essentially, it means that the some parts grow in two very specifically different ways. Hmm. So we probably talked about it with the true cedars, where they have long shoots that grow outwards, and then they have little short spur shoots that have all the needles on them. Yeah. So they have this kind of weird textural look to them. Kind of a little uh, knob that the, yeah. the needles come out of. Exactly. It's like a shoot that never gets more than an inch long. Yeah. But it grows like a millimeter a year. Yeah. And just keeps on putting out needles. Okay. So this is a similar thing, but it's strictly in the leaves where it has facial leaves and it has lateral leaves that are scale like. So what that means, just like a lot of other conifers we've ever talked about, is their leaves do not come out like your broad leaves. They don't come out like needles and they are not even like pulled up very much to where there's like a kind of point on them. They are scaled, oppressed to the stem to the point where you can't tell the difference between the, the leaves and the stem. Yeah. They have two kinds, the lateral leaves, which grow essentially on the left and right. And I mean this in a, in a sense where they are oriented uh, horizontally. Mm-hmm. So when I say left and right, it's not just that I'm saying it from some random thing. As the leaves come out, they splay out flatly and horizontally. So you have a left and a right. Then you have two leaves that are facial leaves or fascia leaves. One grows on the top and one grows on the bottom. Okay. So it makes this fun pattern where it almost looks like there's um, a cursor kind of eye on the backside, the underside of these oh, leaves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and that is a bunch of stomatal bloom that grows between them, but you end up getting this kind of like central thing, and then on left and on the right are two of the, the lateral leaves, mm-hmm. and then it splits like a Y at the top, and then that's where the top leaf is, or actually in this case, the bottom, because yeah. all these white stomatal model lines you'll see are on the bottom side of the leaves. Wow. So when you are seeing these kind of fun little fillets and they are called um, obtusa because they're somewhat rounded, that's where the term comes from. So these rounded splays of foliage come out, you flip them over and they have these eyes on the back. And when I say eye, I mean like the letter I or like a cursor almost from a... uh, on a computer, uh, like Word doc or something like that. Yeah, I was imagining like a uh, an almond shaped kind of eyeball. Oh no, um, no, no, no! There but it's is... like a little line and a dot. Yes, no, okay. no, 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 no! Capital I, like oh, a cursor. Oh God, excuse me. If we zoom out a little bit, it gives yeah. the the foliage a very bubbly effect. Exa- yeah, it really does. It's, it's really just, friendly looking. It's gorgeous. It really is, and it kind of looks like feathery to me. I think. Yes, totally. But like weird, like like truncated feathers. Like they're not long and and kind of lush. In fact, if they were, that would be a variety of this or cultivar called mm. gristalis. It also could be one that is, or a different species called the Sawara cypress, which is Camicypris pisifera, which is close, close relation. Interesting. But a little bit different, and its needles are just longer, whether its scale-like leaves are much longer. You know, generally I find scale-like needles like leaves yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be a little like cold emotionally really does that make sense no i but i love that and i think of it the difference sort of like i think pine needles are the most warm emotionally really a little fluffier they come in little packets yeah okay they're always Um, buddying up except for a few 
Except for a few. And mm. I, I kind of chalk it up to the way I look at mammals versus reptiles. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I, I, I don't really connect emotionally with reptiles all that much. Wow. No, mammals, no. extremely so. But yeah, so I, I look at these and I'm like, this is a reptile I could get along with. Interesting. It's a reptile you could get along with, but also you're like, but also I don't like biologically give a shit about you. Kind of. This is, huh. It's a bit of a Rango situation. Wow. <laughs> you just don't like Rango. Go. Uh, All right. This is helpful. This is very helpful. Well, this is, I think, one of the most beautiful of the false cypresses. Gorgeous. And it's planted here in the Great Pacific Northwest all over the place. Yes, Casey, you sent me a selfie yesterday. I did. Yes. It as was beautiful. A, a very unlike you to send me a selfie. <laughs> and you said, This is the tree that we're talking about mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And there you were in front of a in front of a Hanoki. That's right. They are all over the place. They are actually probably, I would say one of the more commonly planted conifers outside of Japan, almost anywhere, certainly wow. in Western Northern Europe and uh, Western Northern United States. Interesting. Yeah, they are just, uh, I think it's mostly they have weird cultivars. Uh, well, we could talk about it a little bit, yeah. but I really don't like cultivars that much, so maybe we won't. <laughs> they, seem, they seem like a bit of a workhorse. Yeah, well, they're kind of just like, uh, they take certain aspects and then they're just just mass multiplied and Mm. then you have like a tree that isn't as big glorious grand tree it's the parts in the form of the tree that we think is nice or someone thought was nice yeah now they sell that but they usually stay small and shrubby they don't get big and gorgeous and massive and like wow that's a big gorgeous tree yeah so it's almost like taking a big gorgeous tree and like saying oh but you're so nice like this i'm just gonna keep you like that totally and it just doesn't it doesn't have the grandeur that i really appreciate it's like taking a, a in you know in the in the middle ages you'd have a nice a young strong smart woman mm-hmm. and then being like you know what you're gonna do with your life stitch and marry a minor lord <laughs> And that's what we're going to leave you with. And bear his children. And you're like, I have so much potential. God damn it. Yeah. And that, I think, is certainly something that is, uh, yeah, it's accurate for this. It's accurate for this. Yeah. This okay. tree. That's too I, bad. I just really appreciate your uh, your idea. Rather not for this tree, for cultivars of this tree specifically. Okay. Okay. I just appreciate your uh, your idea that it's a, an emotionally uh, un- uh, detached tree. A touch. <laughs> that's so good. It's so good because of what we're going to talk about. I'm so, this is so good. Oh. I'm, I'm tickled to hear this. Well, tell me, Casey. Well, first we have to finish talking about the last of the favorite parts of these trees. The cones. Oh, the cones. These are, again, quintessential cypress-like cones. They have peltate scales that are, uh, they look like, uh, again, I think I've described this a little bit to you. It looks almost like um, some kind of ball from space. And then when it dries out, they kind of go and like open up and release the seeds. A space ball? It looks like a space ball. Okay. It looks exactly like a space ball, Alex. It, uh, they, they really like oxygen. Their oxygen's a big thing that these, uh, these cones need. In fact, mm. they'll take over the whole universe for it. <laughs> but, they're, they're an adorable little, little cypress they? cone. Yeah, yeah, they're only like nine millimeters across. Like they're very small, tiny okay. little cones. That was my next question because the, the photos I'm looking at, they appear to be like almost Italian cypress size. Yeah, no, no, no. They're like they're, maybe a quarter of that. Okay. Like yeah. I, I'm thinking Western red cedar. Uh, a little bit, yeah. But the funny thing, Western red cedar is a little bit longer. Like they're like rosebuds where oh. instead of having the scales all come up next to each other and essentially abut next to each other as if you're making a phalanx of uh, of shields inside of which are all the seeds. You, you know what's embarrassing? What? I think I meant to say Thuya placata. 
Oh, well, that is the Western Red not, Sea. Not three. Oh, my God. I did it again. I, I think I meant to say... What the fuck am I thinking Arborvita? of? Arborvita? Arborvita. It's the same thing. I'm so sorry, Alex. As a Western Red Cedar? Well, not literally, but their yeah. their cones are the same. No, they they look they look a little more uh, rounded, right? Mm-mm. What the fuck? I don't know what you're thinking. <sighs> I gotta go. All right, see you later, Alex. Need medical attention. <laughs> well, they are adorable little cones. I like them quite a bit. Me too. They're great. Uh, the one thing that I think is pretty spectacular about this tree is that I, as it ages, it starts off with these nice little splays and they all kind of, you know, fan out a little mm-hmm. bit. And the tree gets big, but as it gets larger, it looks really gnarly. But mm. not in a like aggressive way. In fact, it looks like a lot of things that I've noticed in these movies where there's like an old wise character, or, like a witch character, yeah. or some kind of character like that. And they're kind of like hunchbacked and like old, and you can tell that they've meant they've seen a lot of years and yeah. all that kind of thing. Storied, I yeah, would call that. Right? This tree I think has that when it gets older. Because it doesn't like I've never seen one that's old and craggy looking. Like, they're always kind of old and a little bit just like, huh, you know? Like, they just look old and rounded a little bit. Okay. Like, I don't know. It's hard for me to describe, but I, I they just don't, like, they don't shatter and have these sharp points and look like intense things. Like, Western Red Cedar will do that all the time. Totally. It will look like a bunch of spears and very sharp things popping up. Yeah. It's just a weird, weird kind of way that they go about retrenchment. Whereas this, it just doesn't look like that in my experience. But then again, I haven't seen a whole lot of old ones in like old pictures or something. Yeah. So it very well could be that this is something I just have not been, had not found. But in all the pictures, I just don't see it. I, I get, I get sort of an oak vibe. Oh, really? Like it, it, it turns a little, uh, it turns a little, stately looking yeah okay I instead can see of that. just like a big fucking mess oh shit yeah it looks great <laughs> yeah so that is kind of the the tree the the hinoki cypress Wonderful. is how i've always called it so it's a big tree again as we said and it's a tree that grows in the southern forests is the best way to describe it. the southern half of the the country of japan mm-hmm it is uh, very closely related to, again, I told you some other cypresses, and there's also a variety called uh, Chemicypris obtusa variety Formosana. Oh, my God. Which grows down in a place that used to be called Formosa, which we know today is Taiwan. How about that? Yeah, I didn't know that. I don't know why. Uh, apparently, there was like one one time in the late 1800s where it basically for 151 days said, we're our own thing and went away from China. Yeah. But then literally within 151 days got conquered by Japan. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, it was, a, it was a weird time back in the back in the late 1800s. But ever since then, we always use the term Formosa or Formosan to uh, describe things that we found or that were named around Taiwan. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Now, Alex, I'll tell you why we're talking about this tree. Yes. It is a revered tree Mm. in Japan. And it is a tree that has been famous for a very long time. 
Specifically, it's been famous for wood products. Ah, that makes sense. Yes. It makes sense for a lot of different reasons. It's got beautiful, very durable wood. Mm. Its grain is very white. Like, like it's almost like a perfectly, uh, like you can obviously still see little rings, but it tends to be this very creamy color. Interesting. Uh, which is weird because you'd also expect that a tree that is of this sort would tend to be red because they tend to be. So your uh, sugi. That's usually a reddish color. Redwood, obviously, usually a reddish color. Yeah. But this one is way more light in color. It almost looks a little pinish. It does. Yeah, it really does. But it has a little bit of different scent to it, mm. which is also something that's important because they would build shrines with this tree. They'd build their houses. They build all sorts of things. Mm. It does not decay. Just as all the Cypress family is, they're very decay resistant. Really? Yeah. So okay. they, they just tend to stick around. So like I said, the biggest stump, it was 1,065 years old. Yeah. So that's an old tree just living. Then you can have certain uh, like built structures or like artifacts that they are still have in Japan in certain places mm. that are like 600 years old made of Hinoki cypress Damn. wood. So it just continues to exist. I, I will say, like when I when I do a cursory Google of this tree, most of the it's, it's one of those trees where most of the uh, Google um, responses are are commercial products. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, all, of, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of like home and garden centers. Yeah. It, it's like it's those those cultivars, you know, that cutting, everyone just thinks they're great. Yeah, cutting boards. Oh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Lots of cutting boards. I, I can imagine. I would love to get a cutting board. Every time you cut into it, it smells so good. It does look beautiful, too. Right? So this tree was used, Alex, for thousands of years. Since people could cut down trees in Japan, they were using this tree. They named it Hinoki before they even had like an actual written language. Wow. So it's a tree that has been a part of this culture for, you know, since it literally has existed. Mm-hmm. The tree itself is revered but also used a lot. And it reminded me a lot of Princess Mononoke yeah. because the tree itself has been cut to the point where it's a very scarce tree now. Mm-hmm. It's planted in gardens all over the place, but it is not a big forest tree. It's been used by, or it's been usurped by trees like the Japanese sugi, the cryptomeria. Yeah. And it also is no longer used structurally as much as it used to because now they use different pine species, namely the Japanese red pine and the Japanese black pine. Okay. So those trees have kind of taken over what it used to be grown for. So now its space is kind of, it's been pushed to the side Mm. and it's already been cut down and used before. So it's become this kind of somewhat rare tree in terms of like forestry in Japan. But very common in terms of commercial uses. Uh, Yes. Well, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say quite commercial because that's such a broad term in horticulture where people plant it as a, as a specimen horticultural tree, Sure, but they plant all these different uh, varieties. They do not plant just the boom, there's the normal species. It's going to get big. It's going to do great things. They always plant these weird other kinds. They can still get big, but they also have like dwarf varieties of all these. Sure. So it tends to be that tree that everyone's like, I want a really beautiful conifer that's not going to get too big. Mm. This is the tree that they would plant. Okay. Because it looks nice. Sure. But it also like, I don't know, it's annoying because I know that it's just like a fake existence of this tree. (laughs) That's just me. I just, there's some big ones out there you can find. Yeah. I, I wonder how I wonder what the what the common perception of this tree is in Japan 
if it's like, question. you know, revered, but then they're like, yeah, I got one in my backyard. Yeah, I think it's kind of like that where it, it, but it's still probably these cultivars that are revered. So it's like, yeah, they got, they got a tiny little backyard. There's a little tree because if you live out in the forest, then these trees would be growing around you as a forest tree. Yeah. Big all over the place, but they wouldn't necessarily be growing um, as a plantation, you know? So, I don't know. Those are a good question, Alex. Hmm. It's a good question. Hey, if we got any Japanese listeners, let us know what you yeah. think of this tree. Yeah, send it in to us. Very curious. Now, here's a question I have for you, Alex. Hit me. What is your favorite scent to put on this, uh, this uh, scent um, uh, ionizer? My diffuser uh, there. Space machine here, yeah. <laughs> My ionizer. Uh, I, I enjoy peppermint. That's a refreshing scent. Interesting. I honestly, uh, I buy a bottle at a time. So what, whichever what? bottle of oil I buy, that is, is what I enjoy for the next three months. Interesting. Now, <laughs> why? What do you do? What do you? What is the? What is the purpose of this? Uh, this? Uh, this air maker. Well, it makes the makes my home smell nice. Ah, that's the big thing. It makes it smell nice. Mm-hmm. That's it. When I walk in, I'm like, ooh, nice. What does it make you feel? I don't know much of anything. Maybe it's subconscious, Wait, you know. It do, oh, it do, you don't know much of anything. I I took for a second that that's what you make. Yeah, it makes me feel nothing. I walk in and the scent numbs me. I don't know much of anything. <laughs> it's like, geez, Alex, what do you put in here? Yeah, I, I don't know if if I if I you know a lot of people will say like put use this oil to feel this way. Oh. I don't know if I've ever seen a one to one in that way. Oh, you haven't, but you, have you used many different sorts of oils? I have. Yeah. Mm. I've, tr- I've tried a bunch. What have you tried? Uh, frankincense, ah. um, cedar. I love frankincense and cedar. You say, yes, Casey. Huh. I got where Casey wanted me to go. No, 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 no. Continue. <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoy the cedar oil a lot. I mean, yeah. I, it's it's you know ref, it's refreshing, but still woody. I like I like a woody scent. Oh, wood. Yeah. Huh. Do you ever feel like your parasympathetic nervous system uh, has an increase in activity or a reduced sympathetic uh, nervous system activity? You know, thank you for asking. I would say, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear this that. It's like Alex. a focus group where you're, I'm like paid <laughs> to say the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, no, no. I want your real and honest opinion here. Now tell so me what was the how question? much you love my product. <laughs> and make sure to grab your gift bag on the way out. The gift bag that says, I loved this product. Mm-hmm. Yes, Alex, you're right. I'm leading towards something. But I'm not leading towards something to try to trick you because I believe that you've experienced what I'm about to talk about multiple times. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know that you experience it with peppermint or uh, spearmint or anything like that. Yeah. But probably. I just don't know if it has specifically uh, alpha-pinene, lemonine, or D-lemonine, or cedrol. Now, are these, we've talked about volatile compounds. You use your hand. Are, are these the volatile compounds? Yes, this okay. is exactly it. So these are uh, essentially, the term I found is like terpene is really the best way to describe it. Okay. But it's kind of hard for me to like say exactly what it is because they're organic compounds in the terpene class. It's kind of like, okay, oh, great, cool. Uh, what else do you got for me? <laughs> so it doesn't really give uh, a whole lot of context. Okay. So. And, and just to, just to, in case anybody's not keeping up here, uh-huh. um, when we say volatile compounds, mm. these are the things that 
when you're out in the bush uh-huh. and you snap into a plant yeah. and you're like, whoa, that smells good. Ooh. That's a volatile compound. It is a, yes. it's a compound chemical yeah. that the plant releases when it's like cell walls are broken or whatever. It's exactly it. Yeah. Um, it, it's and then we take, that. we take those volatile compounds mm-hmm. and we distill them into what we call essential oils. Precisely. And then we sell those to people to put in their diffusers so their homes can smell nice. It's exactly correct. This is an age-old process, of course, and you are probably familiar with many of the different uh, compounds uh, that I just named, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily by their scientific name, more by the scent, because that's how we take in these organic, volatile organic compounds, or VOCs. VOCs. Yes, and there's there's a lot of research saying some are bad, some are good, they cause this, they cause that, so we're not even going to get into that right now. Okay. But it is known that the organic compounds that uh that come out and they're volatile because essentially when they're when they are exposed to air they immediately become uh essentially evaporate but don't evaporate to the point where you can't smell them you know like you can see them in the air these compounds just go yeah yeah so the compounds that i named again that is uh alpha pinene lemonine d-lemonine and cedrol okay these are all different terpenes or alcohols found in wood specifically so this is these are the sense of things like orange peels Mm -hmm. and the wood of cedar trees and the wood of cypress trees like these trees that when you break them or you cut them people have said this for a long time like man i just love this the smell of a cut pine tree or a cut christmas tree something like that that is the smell that you're smelling you're smelling these chemicals amongst many others and certain ones that are made by certain trees you know they're all kind of this they're in this big class of different kind of compounds Mm -hmm. but these are the ones that we are very much used to as the scent of a pine you know, Casey, I wonder, uh, are there volatile compounds in like traditional lawn grass? You yeah, know, like the, f- yeah. the smell of fresh grass cut? I think so, yeah. That smell is really uh, evocative. I think that's the same. It's the same thing. I don't know if that, what the exact compounds yeah. are. But yes, all okay. those things that we smell are essentially the same thing. Are terpenes. Yes, of some kind. If not terpenes, like like for instance, cedrol is an alcohol. And it's just like mm. a different class of chemical that I am not near qualified to really dis- say sure. one way or another. <laughs> We're not chemists yeah. here. But really, the whole point of what this is, is that there are chemicals produced by plants and plant systems, the forest, that give you that response. Yeah. You cut the grass and you're like, ah. Yeah. That is not you feeling so satisfied about cutting your grass. That's you feeling satisfied that you can smell the grass that has just been cut. Totally. And I mean this very specifically because they have done scientific studies Mm. that are focused on what exactly is it that is causing what? When you are thinking about people's responses to trees and the forest and things like that. Interesting. Okay. Tell me more. Yeah. I'm glad you asked Alex because I just gave you the most broad definition. I I didn't even know how to process that. Uh, Casey, could you, um, what else? This study studied things and then told people what they studied. It was very fascinating. They found results. Oh, that was so good. Honestly, that's the way that most people should like, uh, discuss like, how do, how do you write a report? Well, you should write it, it like this. <laughs> this study studied this. Yeah, that, you just gave a great summary. There you go. So, Alex, have you ever heard 
of a cool thing called Shinrin-yoku. Shinrin-yoku. Yes. I have not. Have you ever heard of, Alex, something called forest bathing? I have heard of that. Have you ever heard of something called, Alex, nature therapy? Sure. Well, they're basically all the same thing. Wow. Shinrin-yoku is Japanese for forest bathing? Correct. And it is something that the Japanese have done and lauded for many years. And the whole idea um, in Western societies, I would say, uh, is kind of looked at as, I think the term would be fufu or flu-flu or woo-woo or anything like that that sounds a little bit uh, patronistic. Yes. So it is essentially go out into the forest and intentionally use your five senses to experience it in the most broad sense that you can possibly imagine. And so those who practice this or preach it say this will help you in many different ways. And people started studying this and they said, okay, well, name a few ways that this has been, like what this does. And they haven't been able to say 100% what causes it. But here are just some of the examples that they say, we've seen improvements in these things. Okay. There is immune system function, which is an increase in natural killer cells slash cancer prevention. Mm. It also helps with your cardiovascular system, Uh specifically with hypertension and coronary artery disease. Okay. That was a good one, Alex. (laughs) The respiratory system, it helps with allergies and other respiratory diseases, depression and anxiety, mental relaxation, which they spell out attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder. You might have heard of ADHD before. I have. And it also helps with your feelings and it gives you a feeling of awe. Now, I have so much to say about this, Casey. Mm. Can I just vent for a second? Yeah, you sure can. Hold on. Let me turn off my microphone. This is the kind of thing that, you know, forest bathing that would like, that's such a grabby, like word you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing that would be on like good morning america like we're here we're here to talk with a person who does forest bathing now oh. and they're kind of like teasing him and like what now what is that exactly because it that, sounds you don't look wet <laughs> yeah some shit like that and then he would be like well there's actually a lot of um you know a lot of a lot of uh science behind this it in, it does this and it does this and they would kind of like you know uh uh, not unfriendly, roll their eyes and be like, okay, yeah, sounds great. Uh-huh. And the fact that you would have to convince anyone that meditating in the forest is good for your health yeah. is just crazy. Yes, it really is. Of course it is. And of course it's good for your health. Thank you, Alex. Of course it does all these things. I'm so upset you at like upset. nothing. Is everything okay? <laughs> Everything's fine. Alex, no. <laughs> you need to go to the forest. Your anxiety, I mean, your stress, yeah, yeah. it's off the charts. I could use a nice for- long forest bath. <laughs> I really want you to start using this as like a, uh, like almost like, God, just give me a forest, man. <laughs> like, Jesus, someone, someone needs to just take a cup, fill it with some volatile organic compounds, yeah. and then like space balls, put it in a can, <laughs> just Pop it open and just go. Yeah, it's completely arbitrary branded. <laughs> yeah, completely arbitrary brand forest air. But but yeah, the forest bathing is just I, I can imagine I can just see it so clearly in my head. The type of thing that I would like I would mention that I'm into at like Thanksgiving and yeah. I would have to like convince all of my aunts and uncles why it's good for you. Exactly. Yeah. 
and they would like roll their eyes and they exactly and they'd be like well they always give you a bunch of a bunch of gruff about you just choosing not to take uh some medication you know rather than saying yeah i'm just gonna go outside yeah and and help this now i don't want to minimize medication i think it's important and it is wonderful and it needs to be used when Mm -hmm. it needs to be used but for things that are uh lower down on the treatment level like stress not even chronic stress just ah i just have been to this week has been a lot and your blood pressure is high and you have like this headache in the front of your brain if you go and sniff the oil derived from a hinoki cypress leaf Mm -hmm. it will reduce your heart rate it will reduce your blood pressure it will help increase the activity in that frontal cortex and help reduce the inflammation that you would ever have yeah and this is the thing that no one is quite sure of why there is no like causation other than saying when people smell this we have seen by doing these tests on them this physiological response we have also seen their uh, reactions and rather we've heard about their reactions because we've asked them how do you feel now Mm. and they respond saying i feel a lot better i feel more relaxed i feel like ah like they've been able to take this this literal and metaphysical breath and that is something that the Hinoki specifically is very good at giving. Wow. They also have done tests with the uh, Japanese cedar, the sugi, cryptomeria. Yeah. And they've also found similar things, but a lot of these compounds are just in conifers. They're in these specific cypress trees. So they're like, okay, well, is this a real thing? And they can say, yes, it is. This is absolutely a real thing. But you can't quite prescribe it the same way sure because there's also a little bit of buy-in just like you're talking about these morning news hosts they're not buying in they're like okay i live in new york okay totally and they don't like even take the time it's like man but what if we just like put you out in the forest but then their culture is already so different like ah what did you say last week someone said i love the forest i just don't want to get any of it on me I don't know if I said that. Did, did I say that? Someone's, I think you oh. did. Uh, anyway, someone said it. Um, but it's the idea that, you know, our culture is here in the cities and in these modern, like, uh, let's just say iron towns. And mm. we are, like, we look at that other forest out there and we say, ah, gross. Like, we can't get that. We got to clear all this away. Uh, and that is, like, actively working against us totally and remember how i also told you that this hinoki tree is used in construction like to build things Mm -hmm. well it's probably not a coincidence that it was so revered for really important structures like shrines where you would do meditations Uh, and you'd be around these things that you'd be trying to be intentionally focusing on you are also (laughs) getting inundated with these scents coming off of the wood itself yeah they are literally powerful they are changing your your mindset your state of mind they are calming you down they're making you feel better so even though you are actively going there over to a shrine to do some amount of meditation on something you actually have the shrine itself having a physiological impact on you at that exact moment also interesting interesting indeed and so what i I think i guess i uh, i see what you're saying in terms of like you know uh, they've done studies and this forest bathing helps people feel better but they can't exactly pin down why and i say well of course they 
make you feel better. Yeah. But I, what I'm picking up is that like they can tell that the vol, the VOCs. Ah. Hey, you know, if you watch a Netflix show about VOCs, uh-huh, you're uh-huh. watching VOCs VOD, baby. Oh, wow. Okay, editing now that out. that was good. <laughs> Maybe the most useless uh. thing I've said all day. <laughs> um, so you're, you know, there's the VOCs, there's a chemical reaction with your brain. Yeah. But they don't exactly know like how or why. Yeah. It, but there's also like it's indirect, I think, is the biggest issue. Okay. So I think if they could say, yes, you take in those VOCs, then they attach onto this section. And then from that mm. section, that triggers this. When that happens, that makes this happen. They might be able to do that. But our brains are such fickle creatures where we can't just measure certain things because we have to be able to account for all these other factors. Yeah. So we can't just take someone from New York city on one of these morning shows and say, I am going to prove this to you and then give them kind of the, the classic double blind kind of thing hmm. where you say, Hey, we're going to take all these, uh, these big applers and we're going to throw them out into the woods or not. And we're going to teach them or have them know uh, what to do. Like some will buy in, some will know what's going on. Like, we, if you are kind of aware of these kind of psychological things, yeah. then you can either give in to them or you can kind of pull back, you know? And and they have maybe a, when you resist, you know, um, when you resist Qigong yeah. and acupuncture and meditation, I feel like they don't work as well. Yes. And I think that is because you're essentially telling your body, like, this is fake. Like, I'm not going to give in to this. And you're not just like accepting it and then just relaxing yeah. you know it's like you you're in control of your body at all points it's just the same as the placebo effect oh yeah you sure know? where if you believe something is going to make you better then it will make you better yeah and so we can show that it does when they do these uh these tests although i will say alex uh, all their tests are on uh 21 year old 21 year old students of a japanese university plus or minus one year i'm sorry 21.5 years old okay so maybe you have to be exactly that yeah maybe but if if only yeah the moral of the story is yeah you kind of have to buy into it right yeah so if you don't buy into it then you don't necessarily get the things and so we can't really say do this i I will say the buy-in i think helps but i don't think it's like 100 percent necessary to see any growth or any difference probably if we just throw people out in the forest and say hey just breathe for a while totally they'll probably come back and feel better they don't need to believe in forest (laughs) bathing or or energy or yeah, chi exactly. or anything like yeah. they they would probably feel better just because they got to you know get off work for a few hours and not listen to traffic yes exactly yeah. and man that just opens up a whole other whole other aspect that we could talk about mm. but i don't think we'll have time well casey that's our hinoki tree what a beautiful place what, what a beautiful a, thing i what, just love this tree I, I'm a, I'm I'm a big I'm a I'm a convert I think. No way! You think this is a little bit better than a the a lizard tree? I think it's a little bit better than a lizard tree. Wow! Uh, we got to give a review to this tree, and we got to talk about Princess Mononoke. But both of these things must happen after a quick break. We'll be right back with completely arbitrary's Teriyazaki. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's Triyazaki. That was our discussion of the Hinoki. And Casey, before we get into our discussion of Princess Mononoki. Yes. 
we must give this tree a rating. That is true. And here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on the Hanoki and then give it a rating of zero to 10 cutting boards. Cutting boards of honor? Zero to 10 cutting boards of honor. How about uh, <laughs> something a little more uh, reverent? Ooh, uh, how uh, about, uh, you, we got a pitch? Uh, yeah, but I, I, it might be insensitive. I was going to say little Kodami of honor. The little little funny guys. I think that's fine. Okay, great. They're is so it Kodama? Cute. Kodama, yeah. Kodama, okay. Kod- Did I say Kodami? I think so, <sighs> which I think is also acceptable. Fuck. <laughs> Let's do zero to 10 Kodama of honor. Yes. Casey, as our resident expert, will begin with you. Well, first off, thank you for the honor. I am happy to talk about this tree. Uh, I've done a little bit of research on how to identify it recently, mm-hmm. and I was so happy to know that I've been getting it right this whole time. Nice. Very, very happy. You love to see it. But, you know, no one told me about the uh, the back. So the, looking at the underside of a tree, yes. kind of a sneaky hidden thing that no one knows about. Little capital I on there. Exactly. Whenever you're trying to identify a cypress tree uh, or a tree that's in the cypress family mm-hmm. that you don't already recognize as a certain thing, maybe it's any one of these uh, false cypresses, all you got to do is just flip it upside down and that will tell you, it'll give you the key, the hidden the hidden stuff. Nice. So this tree has those funny little eyes that I noticed and I never could, I never knew about that which is frustrating. I wish someone just said, yeah, here's that. Just look for that. You live and you learn. They did it for all the rest. And now you'll be the one to share that with other people. Exactly. The world will know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after doing that, uh, I've been actually taking a lot of closer look because in order, you know, you find something about a tree and you're like, okay, now I'm going to test this out. So I've been testing it out and I've been looking at this tree all over the city yeah. of Portland. And again, that's how I know that it's so like, uh, it's planted everywhere, yeah. like annoyingly so half the time. Um, but then while researching for this tree, um, initially I didn't find much. I was just like, what's the point of this tree? Like I get mm. it, but like, wh- like I know it's a, it's a, uh, an important tree, but there was nothing that told me anything about it until I looked up and just kind of started going down different roads, ended up looking up the idea of forest bathing mm. because I wanted to learn more about it because I had an, uh, I had a suspicion that that was going to be a nice tie-in with this movie, which you and I had not seen before we did this episode. True. So I was very curious, but you did bring it up. You said the, the whole point of this is about kind of this forest being cut down. Yeah. And I was like, aha, this is going to be an interesting kind of uh, kind of sidebar, a tangent or a, rather a, a, a through line between cutting down forests and the benefits that they provide that aren't so obvious, you know? Totally, like, yeah. So for the Hinoki Cypress, it was the smell. Mm. And I was like, ah, this makes total sense. So uh, this tree, um, funny enough, not my favorite. There are ones that I like way better. The smell of which? Yes. Okay. S- specifically the Grand Fur. Okay. Grand Fur is the top notch. Everything else uh, is just okay. Unless you're burning it, in which case the Pinion Pine takes the cake. Okay. To be very clear. So, um, this is a tree that in, in the sense of like its ability to subconsciously affect you, love that. Totally. I can't say that this is the only tree that does that, obviously, but if this is the poster child of it, moves it up in my, my, uh, my rating here. Mm. Now as a tree, uh, remember how I said it doesn't kind of get old and like, craggy and kind of like whoa that's a wild old tree yeah that's kind of a downfall for me 
Like I want a tree that gets old and looks old. That looks like it's like actively been fighting the weather for centuries. Understandable. I think that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, as a tree that's being planted, uh, around stop planting the dumb little cultivars that get like seven and a half feet tall Mm. and are like shiny and golden or whatever. Like just, just plant a tree, just get something that's going to be awesome. This tree's got it though. I don't think, like I said, as it gets older, it really becomes shapely and gorgeous. So that's going to, that's going to pull back down a little bit. Okay. Uh, I do like the bark. I love that. It's so decay resistant and I just love a, I just love a, I just love false cypresses. I think they're fun. And I love the idea of going to Japan and finding a forest filled with all of these different wacky conifers that is similar to what we have over here that I find so fascinating. Yeah. We have so many. It's just, it's this wonderland. So I really, I really want to go to Japan and see these trees in, in their actual habitats. Cause you can find big ones and like shrines mm-hmm. and things. So all this to say as a tree, it's a good one. You should plant it, but don't plant the dumb cultivars and you shouldn't, uh, necessarily plant too many of them because they're just, they're, uh, you know, they're a, they're an 8.0 tree. They're not too high. They're not too low. They move up versus other trees. 8.0. Yeah. They're, they're, they're higher than others. Okay. Because I like this, I like this subliminal kind of thing. I like mm-hmm. their, I like their hidden magic that totally. they have. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Okay. I do like all the other attributes about it and I think they, I think they can be good. So I guess I'm kind of, kind of saying, Hey, I'm going to give you a little wink here. Gonna give you an 8.0 higher than a seven because the last time I gave a seven, the tree was really just what was 7.5, I think, was what I did for uh, the uh, the Japanese fur we talked about last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Middle of the road doesn't do a whole lot. Okay, anything less is now a little bit of an insult. Anything higher is kind of like, uh... so you're hoping that by giving this an eight, yeah. It'll give it a little confidence boost to do better. Exactly. Okay. Yes, that's what I'm hoping. Yes. It's me throwing it a bone. It's like giving the bully in your class, if you're a teacher, you give the bully in your class a little bit of responsibility yeah. and they excel and give they feel good about themselves. The benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's what I'm doing. So I'm 8.0. saying, hey, you got this. I, I love it. 8.0. 8.0. Kodama of honor. For the... Hinoki cypress. Love it. But what about you, Alex? You have a, you, you, you called this a lizard tree in not so many words. Yeah. Now I want to know if you now see this as a transformed lizard tree or an untransformed liver lizard tree. <clears throat> I appreciate this tree for what it is. It's a rough start. 7.25. Wow. Seven and a quarter. Yeah. I think it's like right in the middle of that sort of upper curve. Is it because it doesn't blink in a traditional way or that it's (laughs) It's got two sets of eyelids from side instead of being under, you know, I, 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 I like cypresses well enough, but like I said, scale like needle, like leaves, uh, leave a, leave, leave a lot to be desired. (laughs) Um, I think they're kind of neat, but I don't, I don't enjoy them. Really? And, but I, I will say, you know, I'm a big proponent of forest bathing or anything that, you know, if you, if you are listening to this and you grew up here in America in, in a very like American home, uh huh. I encourage you to think about all the things your parents said were like woo woo mm-hmm. when you were growing up or yeah, like, yeah. you know. They made fun of uh, Phoebe Buffay on Friends because yeah. she was like into meditation and peace. And they were like, 
or she was a vegetarian, you know, yeah, and they were like, yeah. yeah, whatever. She's kooky. Yeah. Like, you know, take a look at those things. Mm. You might, you might find that you love uh, acupressure or acupuncture or meditation or Qigong or Tai Chi. Forest bathing. Forest bathing. Yes. Um, so I, I want to encourage everybody who thinks those things are woo woo to actually try them and, and, uh, you know, uh, give yourself into, into that process a little bit. Like we said, buy into it, see what happens. Yeah. Cause yeah. you never know. It could be the cheapest form of uh, stress therapy you've oh. ever had. True. It truly, yeah. Meditation is magical. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, the tree. I don't know. It's so so. Wow. Seven point five. It's the 7. tree 7. that does it, Alex. Gah! I have failed in my entire journey in this no. entire podcast. No, I think it's more interesting that I that I uh, that it didn't land on me. You know, <laughs> that is that's that's really the takeaway. <laughs> no, 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 Casey. We get it. We get it. The tree's magical. But if Alex doesn't really buy into it yeah mm. there ain't no mango on this thing damn it um that was our discussion of the hinoki we hope you enjoyed it and casey it's time for a little ghibli chat all right and this week we watched of course princess mononoke princess mononoke um uh, my first time watching it your first time watching it that's right that's Kate, right what'd you think well first off it was an adult themed movie oh yeah there's a decapitation in the first five minutes it's so good i just <laughs> honestly that like that when that happened i was like whoa yeah. okay they're really going for it yeah there's a lot of sexual uh innuendo with mm-hmm. uh prostitutes working at a brothel whether they're no longer working at a brothel former sex workers exactly and now they uh they just make jokes about it which i love yeah they're just like well better than working over there i'd rather pump this I see Miyazaki. I told you this before we recorded. I did not pick up on any of that for some reason. Oh, yeah. And well, uh, like I picked up on it like with other like last week we talked about uh, Nausicaa. Nausicaa. Thank you. And uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's like like even at one point she like opens her shirt to Mm -hmm. have the little animal run in. You get a little cleavage. Sure. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I see. I see why little little boys are like, oh, yeah, I'm all about anime. man. But this is more explicitly like innuendo. Exactly. And there's there's less butts. I will say that for sure. There's there's very fewer butts. Mm -hmm. But um, what? What's her name? San is her name? Yeah. Uh, is like the quintessential like sprite character, mm-hmm. you know? Like literally, it's this gorgeous woman raised by wolves yeah. that everyone's like, whoa, who is she? Oh my God. Totally. Wow. Ooh. And then uh, the other dude is like, uh, like just rippling strong hey you guys mind if i jump in here takes off his shirt and like starts really pumping the the bellows and everything like i just i thought that was so funny i i thought yeah that was that was hilarious i was like what's his what is he trying to do right now was it ever clear he just wanted to join in i think he was like kind of seeing what it was about getting to know everybody a little bit because he's like okay what exactly are you guys doing totally and the best way to figure that out is to go help him out you know and that character's name, um, Ashitaka. Ashitaka, Prince yeah. Ashitaka. Yeah. So, um, so first off, I liked I liked that it was a little more adult. Thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. I I have to say, I am. Uh, I like violent movies. I do. I think they're enjoyable. Sure. Uh, I like the realism of certain ones, uh, and I also like the Quentin Tarantino style. I yeah. Think it's, I think it's hilarious in certain instances. Sort of glorified gore and Yeah, exactly. Viscera. Where it's just a little bit like overdone, you know? And in this, like one of the things that happens is he, uh, our prince gets uh, essentially 
touched by a demon. Yeah. And then that demon starts to take over and give him demon powers. Yes. And he shoots his arrow and it just lops off heads and arms and everything yeah. like one shot. It gives him like super strength. <laughs> I just love that. Like, I just thought that was so good. Which lo- <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense logically because a bow, a bow is limited by the bow. You right? mean an arrow. Or, I mean, well, not really. I mean, like a bow's power is limited uh, by the bow itself. Yes, correct. Yeah, it's not like if you are super strong, this bow can now like. Yeah, it doesn't. If if you're super strong, you can like bend it further back. I suppose, but you that's know? you know yeah. that's that's limited. I you know still. there is a limit. That's true. But I understand that's not the point. It just it was something I thought about. True. Very reasonable. Uh, but yeah, it was the all the themes of violence, uh, in death were right right in your face yes. in this. And the thing that I like most about this movie is similar to Nausicaa, where essentially there's this big theme of what we think is bad that we're trying to kill um, is actually good. And mm-hmm. that's the thing we need to be protecting. And that I think is one of the most important aspects of these movies that I'm noticing where the idea of Shinto coming into uh, this kind of, uh, I guess more modern day, even though this takes place in like an era that was like in the 1300s or something. Yeah, yeah. But it still is like the idea of them and this very obvious metaphor or rather allegory to Iron Town. Mm-hmm. Like they cut down all of their trees and they have these spikes coming out and they're like, no one come close to us. We had to take this island from the forest and now we're going to burn the rest of the forest. And then the... uh the the leader she says explicitly then we will burn down this forest and it will be the richest land Mm -hmm. and i took that to mean two different things one is like rich in terms of they will make a lot of wealth Mm -hmm. off of the iron ore that they are pulling out and smelting however it would also irony because the same term rich is what you would say to land that is very uh fertile and fruitful yes so it's gonna be the richest land and you're looking at it and you're like oh well what kind of rich are you talking mm-hmm. about because at one point you're destroying one but potentially getting the other but you're also going to destroy yourself in getting the other yeah fascinating like when she says rich she might also mean like lush and and yes and gorgeous but to her lush and gorgeous means taking the resources from the land yes which is killing it right yeah what did you think alex i so i don't think this was my favorite Mm -hmm. of the movies we watched so Uh, far okay i know that it is just incredibly uh critically acclaimed yes i'm sure hugely so it wasn't my favorite, but I do think it was probably like the best film mm, of the ones we've watched. Interesting. Um, I think it had the the strongest themes and the strongest message. Yeah, for sure. And the most interesting, uh, I think maybe the most interesting characters and the most complex characters. Yeah. And I think you get a little bit more of that because it's geared toward adults. Yeah. Um, I think anyway, or like teens, adults, you it's know, he certainly feels like it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that they, I don't think it would get a G rating, maybe a PG rating. Cause it's an animated film for sure. Yeah. But like, you don't get animated films that generally show like that intense amount of gore and death. Like it yeah. was dead bodies with things over the top of them. You know, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was way more, like I said, like in your face. So I think that yeah. it must've been geared towards a, a, an older audience. Totally. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I really appreciated this film. Um, I didn't totally love it, mm. but I really, I could, I can, cl- I can clearly see that it's like a great movie. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of this Ashitaka character who's, really? who's sort of going on his uh, hero's journey, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. he gets cursed by this, by this demon boar. Yeah. Um, and then has to go. It's it's a very open-ended journey. They're just like, go west and you'll find what you need. Yeah, go figure out what happened to this boar. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it here? It's very, it's very, it's almost like a road trip movie. He mm. just like leaves and meets all these characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, and in the end, it's like he's not really fighting for the people and he's not really fighting for nature. Yeah. He's fighting for peace between yeah. people and nature. Yeah. Which I think you brought up earlier, it's a balance. Like he was really looking for a balance. Yes. Yeah. I think this movie's all about balance. Like yeah. any even down to all the characters being complex. Nobody is like, you know, Nausicaa, you had that guy who was like uh, the Prince Humperdinck character, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like this guy's clearly uh, evil. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, no, yeah. there's no complexity to his he, personality. He had even the smirks. Yes, totally. It was like the, the most annoying smirks I could have ever imagined. Like comically evil, right? Yeah. And in, in this movie, nobody's really comically evil. There's like, they're just like, uh, they all have goals, and those goals are different from the other characters' goals. Mm. And that juxtaposition is what makes it so interesting and complex. Yeah. Um, and nobody's nobody's strictly like like even Lady uh, is it even Lady Aboshi, mm-hmm. the leader of Iron Town, yeah, who's sucking the land dry of its resources. She has made a town that is home for outcasts and former sex workers and people with um, leprosy. Leprosy, yeah. yeah, 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 who have been cast out of society, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's good in that. And she's just trying to meet her goal and protect herself and nature's trying to protect itself. And so it fights back. I mean, all the same shit that's in Nausicaa too. Right. One other thing that was interesting was this monk character. What was his name? Jigo. Jigo. Yeah. Jigo, uh, at once seemed like he was kind of aware, but he was always playing like both sides for his own kind yeah. of goal, which was just cutting the head off of this thing, this this spirit. Mm-hmm. Which I have to say is another thing that I really like, which is uh, is very fantastical. Which is the idea that you could like cut the head off of a spirit of something, like the spirit of the forest. We're yeah, go capture it. Which is something that you can't capture. It's not necessarily. Uh, uh, it, it rather it is more ethereal where when you cut down the forest you are killing the spirit of the forest yeah but this they cut the head off of the spirit of the forest and it killed the forest yes so it's kind of like almost the roles reversed it's also very much obviously um personified in this other character mm-hmm. and i don't know i just enjoy that aspect of it where you make things explicit i guess and this other guy this monk character i don't know I don't know how I feel about him. Anyone who walks on blocks makes me yeah. I'm a little uh, a little nervous about him. I noticed that. I I don't I don't know what that is culturally, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know either. But it was very curious, kind of uh, his whole his whole storyline. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, okay, I I see you, but man, I think if, if I had to pick a character that 
that I disliked the most. It was definitely that guy. Can I can I say he kind of reminded me of Littlefinger from uh, Song of Ice and Fire? Oh yeah, 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 totally. Playing everybody, but yeah. has his own end goal and yeah. make, makes you trust him, and then kind of stabs you in the back. And I think it's exactly it. And then like gets his own army to go grab his own thing. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. his whole thing was he was trying to get the head of the forest spirit exactly. to bring to the emperor, exactly because it makes you immortal, or it yeah. is said to make it's you immortal. Said to, and he would yeah. get uh, he would get a literal mountain of gold. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think that that's uh, yeah. It's it the the big big themes of that just still stick with me mm-hmm. in the sense of having these characters that are working for themselves but actively destroying the land, which is why I thought this tree and this topic would be good. Because this is a forest tree that has already been cut down and destroyed in Japan many years after when this took place. And it has been already removed from what it used to be. And they've also, they and everyone else have cut all their forests and basically killed the thing that is actively helping the rest of us you know everyone all together and it's something that i see in the american culture like in spades it's everywhere you know cut down these trees so we can do this one thing for our building when really it's like well yeah but doing that is affecting all the rest of us like this is having a negative effect but just like everyone else, like they can't quite put them, put their finger on it. You know, at the very end, uh, when they're all kind of looking out and being like, what happened? And they look down and the, the, the flowers have come back. Yeah. And then one of the characters says, I didn't know that the forest spirit was, was what made the flowers grow. Yeah. And it's like, this is what we've been trying to tell you this whole yeah. time. So every time, uh, you are living your life, people, and some tree gets cut down, like it's, it's the, it's, it is affecting everybody. We can't, we can't do just like all these studies. They can't say, well, if you cut down that tree, this and this and this, and here's the reaction that we mm-hmm. are going to see. It's this slow burn where you're just like, well, yeah, I got one little nick right here, but that's not going to hurt me. Totally. But then you do that for every nick on your entire body and now you're dead. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of like secondhand smoking. Oh, uh, yes. Like somebody else is is doing the thing that they want to do. Yeah. So it's like, not so it doesn't affect me. Right. And then but. you're, you're breathing in that fucking smoke and getting cancer. Yeah. So I think, I think that the, that theme, and it was the same with, uh, with Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, mm-hmm. where it was very much that same kind of idea where they're actively killing something saying, this will make us better. This is the right thing to do. And I've probably, I know I have, I've railed on the idea of engineers that we like engineered our way into this situation. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that are engineered. Gabe certainly is one of my good closest friends and he listens to this he's going to hear this right now but the he would agree that like we've engineered the interesting parts and the beautiful parts and the things that are in this world for engineering reasons mm. so they have been like well we need this iron iron is the thing that we need to dedicate our lives to and and completely destroy the forest because we need to get this iron out and we do the same thing in our cities. We build them to these certain engineering standards and things. And those say, well, we can't do that. We can't have grass because it's not an engineered thing. We can't have trees because it's not engineered correctly. And like, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's an allegory of a term. I'm not saying engineers are bad, <laughs> uh, but it's this idea that we have like shifted our focus in our, uh, our assessment of what is good and what is not good from the sort of natural way of how the world works to a way that we can engineer our way to make the world work the way we want it to yeah. work. And I think that's our problem because we're saying, yeah, we can do it, but it just doesn't work. I think that's also like the whole th- 
the whole thing of this movie is like, you know, the, the protagonist is not fighting for one or the other. He's mm-hmm. just fighting for like cooperation between the two mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. peace between the two. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, something to be said for, um, I, I guess that's sort of a conservation idea, Casey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. Where it's more like, don't destroy it all. Let's just like find the balance of how much we can use yeah. versus how much we can't. But also, like wars are started over who has access to this iron versus not. And it's kind of like, well, is that what we're going to spend all of our lives on? Mm. Fighting over this one like resource that we've artificially decided is the most important thing rather than just not? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I also want to say the visuals of this movie are my favorite of any we've watched. Really? I would take Totoro over this one, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Totoro's visuals, I thought, were were much more uh, interesting. But okay. in, in a certain regard, you know. Yeah, fair enough. I did like different aspects of it. I, I think specifically the um, Nightwalker and the forest spirit, the spirit of the forest. Really? Are just like t- some of the coolest creature designs I've ever seen. And then after spoilers, the forest spirit gets its head chopped off um, or loses its head. Yeah. It really goes crazy. (laughs) And it kind of like, you know, spreads out over the land and you can there's this one shot of Jigo, the monk running through the forest Uh who also is so annoyingly casual about everything. Yeah. He's like, ha ha, this is fun. When like things are falling apart. Yeah. He looks up through the canopy of the trees as he's running through the forest and there's this giant ethereal hand reaching out, like racing him. And it's so cool. I love all that shit. Ah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's Princess Mononoke. Yeah, you guys should all watch it. I would probably say it would be, I would say, uh, probably number two. What's, I liked it. What's your definitive top four ranking of the four we've watched now, would, that, now that Triyazaki's over? I would probably put uh, My Neighbor Totoro at the top because I think mm. Totoro is fun. I also like the, uh, it was a happy-go-lucky film. It was very cute. Yeah. Uh, and it also is like, uh, like here's how you can experience nature without big, like, everything's going awful kind of ways. It was just like, hey, yeah, these these kids are like, uh, they're seeing it and they're interacting with it and now they believe. It's like believing in Santa Claus. You yeah. Know? Uh, but it's this big tree that's real. You can actually go out there. So I thought that was probably number one. Number two would be probably between spirited away and my neighbor princess mononoke mm-hmm. because uh i liked i like the allegory of both of them this is probably one of my favorite things about these movies is that yeah. I can, like, you can pick out the allegory that they're talking totally about really simply uh and effectively um but i don't know i kind of like i would probably put mononoke mononoke uh as number two because it's more it's a little more realistic and it pits like these industrial war like what is that western places causing mm. a bunch of trouble versus this other kind of uh this eastern more peaceful idea which i know they did on purpose because that's <laughs> what is in all of his movies but it is so accurate yeah. in terms of like the geopolitical ideas of the west totally you know but i also don't want to romanticize of the east because that's just not accurate so i would probably say this would be number two and then spirited Ray would be number three and then wow. my cousin nausicaa of the valley of the fire of the wind is number four okay okay i think i i have a different opinion of them as i was watching them as oh. i do like i process them a little bit okay 
So I'll just go like in the moment, like my initial thoughts. Nausicaa was my number one. Nausicaa. I adored that film. Like I had so much wind. fun watching it. Yeah. Wow. I thought it was so cool. Okay. I'm also really into Dune and it's very Dune-like. Ah, uh, yes. It does have big spaceships. Yes. Okay. Number two, Spirited Away. Spirited Away. Just such a lovely film. I love just being in that world. Huh. Um, existing with those characters and so it's so creative and yeah um, and I love that it doesn't really explain anything it just kind of throw like much like the the young girl in it it just kind of throws you into this world yeah it's true and everything's weird and different and who knows what it's about yeah yeah okay and then three uh, is probably Mononoke okay. and then I think my last in a, in a reversal of you Casey is Totoro Interesting. I just did not click with that movie. You did not click with my not cousin Totoro. No. Or my neighbor Totoro. Nope, neither. Yeah, none of them. Or the sequel. Huh. Yep. Or the sequel, my papa Totoro. <laughs> uh, so, everybody, that was Triyazaki. Wow, what an enjoyable time. What, what a good an, idea, Alex. Thank you, Casey. I really appreciate you, uh, you going along with it, and you did a great job coming up with all Aww. these topics to talk about. And Get out of here. And it was, uh, it was great fun. Uh, anytime we get the chance to talk about movies, I am just a, th- a thrilled little boy. Oh, well, that's what I like to see, Alex. <laughs> Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary AMA. Let's see what we got today. This one we got, this time we got one from, uh, from Longtime Fan. J.G. Jacoby. All right. Jacoby. Jacoby. What do we got from our friend? They ask, how do you balance scientific accuracy with making content engaging for a broad audience? Oh, well, that's easy. (laughs) My wife and I want to start an exploratory podcast doing deep dives on the flora, fauna, geography, and geology of different ecoregions of the world. Wow. Since neither of us are scientists, we want it to be fun and entertaining, but also informative. Well, that sounds great. Well, the first part of that question is easy. We don't. We don't balance anything. We just we just put it out there. And if someone calls us out and says, Casey, that was very inaccurate because Alex has no idea, then I, I just say, great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I ignore those emails. <laughs> I um, actually never see them because you just uh, you archive them immediately. Yeah. That's not true, everyone. That's not true. Well... Casey, I, you know, I, I read this question to you beforehand. You were like, whoa, because uh-huh. I think we both were like, well, we could make a whole episode about that. Yes. And in fact, we did. I'm just kidding. We, we could. We should and could and will. Uh-huh. Um, but I will say off the top, I think the key to for us is you and me. Um, and, the, uh, you know, you are the uh you are the science behind this. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I am sort of this, uh, the lovable goofball who, oh, who doesn't wow. know much about science. <laughs> okay. So okay. I think, I think when we just like our personalities combined, we happen to make something that's both scientific mm-hmm. and fun. Yeah. Um, not to say that you're not fun and not to say that I don't know anything about science. Yes. Well, I think that's also the thing. It's like a, it's like a, you, you match, you match me 2080 where I match you 80, 20. Totally. Yeah. We, we, um, finish each other's sentences. Fuck. And (laughs) I, yeah. So I think like starting with. Uh, starting with some award-winning great co- uh, co-hosts is really the way to go. <laughs> it really is. So whenever we can get those awards, we would be very uh, happy. Yes, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I think you're right, Alex. I think the 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 thing that I always kind of try to do uh, is is 
tell a story, but also convince you of something. Totally, yeah. So maybe, JJ, this is uh, GJ, JG, Jacoby. Maybe this is how I, uh, how it at least works for me, is my main goal is to talk to my component on the other side. Yeah. As opposed to uh, telling a story to an audience, you know, almost. Totally. Like, Alex, you are my audience. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So if I can convince you of something, uh, not necessarily like, here's my idea, but more like, let me explain this to you and explain why it's cool. Yeah. Uh, that's also just something I've always done, like, to the annoyance of many of my friends of like, oh my gosh, I just learned this thing, did you know? And maybe it's just that talking with you is a way that I can say, did you know? And I can judge your... Uh, your interest level in a positive way <laughs> mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know, as I'm, as I'm talking with this in order to keep it interesting, you got to keep it light in yeah. order to make sure you are understanding. You can't go too far into technical terms. So I use a lot of allegory and metaphor and, uh, go back and try to explain it in a different way. And these kinds of things that I would do if I was just explaining it to everyone, because it, I learned years ago that the things that you may think are like easy and, uh, like obvious are for, for most people, not that at all. Totally. Yeah. And same thing I think goes with like doing music. Like you could sit and look at a guitar and read it as if it was writing that everyone knows. Yeah. And then if you explain that to someone, you'll make it sound easy. Um, but I think you could, you have done this with me, just like say in a different way. So uh, all that to say, that's balanced, I think, very well with you being able to be the the, the layperson audience member. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say layperson. You're just the uh, the interested other party that has the free the freedom to just say whatever. You know, I think that's that's yeah. an important aspect. There's not like, oh, Alex, I need you to ask this question. Totally. I think it helps that like we're both natural enthusiasts. Mm. Um. But I also don't fake enthusiasm. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if I'm just like not interested in something, I'll just like tell you. Yeah. And you know, for better or worse, I appreciate that you 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 are uh, you accept me for who I am. Yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. Not not like uh, God, it's really challenging talking to Alex. It's a bit of a challenge to be like, okay, how am I gonna do this? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I and I also on my end. Uh, I think part of the uh, entertainment idea is like to inject as much silly bullshit Mm -hmm. as I can without distracting from the point. Yeah. And I think that is, that's the helpful thing, especially if I can like not be too distracted either. Just come back like, exactly. Now, as I was saying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have our, we have our on days and our off days. True. But I think that that's also an important aspect. Someone one time, I don't know, it was a teacher said that you can only expect someone to like pay attention for like a minute and a half or something. I've heard this. Ridiculous time. Yeah. And whenever I teach a a tree ID course, I always bring cones and books and put them out on the, uh, on the tables because I personally am like, yeah, totally. I do that all the time. It just may happen that I'm very interested in something or it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to pay like exact attention because I already kind of got that down. Yeah. Um, but if you're learning something and, or you're, you're just like easily distracted because I think everyone's easily distracted. Uh, just rolling with it as mm-hmm. opposed to being like, ah, focus. Yeah. And if they don't focus then put a cone in front of them, have them look at a cone, then they're still unfocused on topic. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed this when we, we went and spoke to like a group of, I think they were like fourth graders or fifth yeah. graders. 
And, you know, and that's a tough age. They're they're on, you know, like they're in the library and they're distracted and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. we're not in class. That's great. But I did notice that, you know, you would start one thing and then somebody would kind of interrupt or make a scene about this. this, And you would just like pivot. And now you're talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in a depending on the context can be really helpful. Yeah, exactly. I think it's something that's helped with us. We, the balance comes from just uh, just just going wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say go with the flow, but it's not quite it. It's more just like, like you said, pivot towards something. And then maybe it takes a little creativity to like try and pull it back in. Yeah. Or at least not being afraid of having a hard transition. How about this too, Casey? I thought you were going to be like, that was completely the arbitrary. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh that been good. So good, Alex. <laughs> Fucked that up. Uh, you know, if you're starting a brand new th- creative endeavor, mm-hmm. I think it helps to have like a template. Yeah. Uh, and some structure and be like, all right, we're going to do this for 10 minutes. Then we're going to do this for 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Then we're going to do that. You know, um, even if you don't make it explicit to the audience, I think it helps you. So you don't just like start the timer and then like, uh, what do we do now? Yeah. yeah. Um, for instance, our template at the beginning was basically Doughboys. Uh, yeah, um, it kind of was. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that's how you pitched this show to me in the first place. It's very true. To yeah. co-host with you. And, but now we're our own thing, mm-hmm. you know, 140 odd episodes deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does help, I find, to have some sort of like, I want to do my version of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like songwriting is the same way. I'll hear a song that I really love and I'll be like, Ooh, I want to write my version of that song. Yes. And it is easy as that. Like you just look at it and just add some of your own kind of creativity to it. Yeah. How would you say it? How would you write it? How would, what makes sense to you then say that out loud. And there you're really looking for the essence of that thing. Yeah, Not yeah. like a one for one translation, but like, what do I feel when I listen to or watch this thing? Mm-hmm. How do I make people feel that same thing? Yeah. The other thing I think is just enthusiasm. So go out there and be excited about it. Yeah. If you're not excited, no one else is going to be. Exactly. If you don't care, no one's going to care. Precisely. Thank you, JG, for your question. If you got Thank a question you. for us, join up on our new support platform, Completely Arbitrary Tremium. That's arbitrarypod.supercast.com. There are a couple different plans there. That's right. You can get annual subscriptions. You can get monthly subscriptions. You can gift subscriptions now. So for the tree lover in your life, for the arbitrary fan in your life, give them the gift of the cone club. Wow. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Mm -hmm. Casey Clapp. Casey Clark. (laughs) Uh, That was Triyazaki, Casey. Great job. Great job. See you in the new year. Hey, yeah, that's right, Casey. This is our last episode of uh, of 2023. As far as I'm aware. The next time you hear from us, it'll be a whole new year of trees. We've got some exciting things planned. And, oh, boy, do we. And we can't wait to show you, as uh, ever. Um, this, this has been a great year, Case. We got a lot done. We sure have. Big changes, big new things. Whew. Hopefully the ads don't suck right now, you guys. I wonder yeah. if anyone's noticed. Yeah, we're in a bit of a transitional mm-hmm. phase between ad ad uh, providers essentially yes. yeah, yeah, yeah ideally we've cut them down by at least half that's right so hopefully we just don't cut our income down by half <laughs> but eh, i guess we'll see we will see thank you so much for listening to this year of completely arbitrary hey we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye
Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. Find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>